Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. In this message, Pastor Andy teaches on how you can find relief from your past. Enjoy the message. We may have regrets. We may be upset about things that have happened in our past, but no matter what, we can't hit the red button and start over, right? We can't hit the red button and go back and erase it, you know? Uh, we think of it financially. Maybe uh, your finances are messed up. Maybe you wish you didn't open up that credit card and, and spend it to the limit. Or maybe you wish that you invested earlier. Or maybe it, you wish that you saved a little bit more. And so you're like, man, if I could just hit that red button and start over. Or maybe relationally, you made some relationship mistakes earlier in life. And, and you're like, man, I just wish I could start over. And, and it, it, maybe you wish that you didn't take that puff uh, 18 years ago, and, and now it's like, ah, I'm two packs a day from a puff, or maybe you've gone to vaping and you're just going through all those cartridges. You're like, man, I just wish I didn't have the nicotine addiction. I wish I could hit the red button like it never happened before. But here's the deal, is that the past reminds us of what we did, and the past tries to tell us what we're going to do. But what I want to tell you is through Christ, you can change. You, you can't undo the past, but you can start over. And so this week we're going to talk about the particulates. We're going to talk about now, as we laid the foundation of where are you at spiritually, we're going to get into particulates. First off, this week, we're going to talk about your past, that you can have freedom from your past. Next week, we're going to talk about how you, don't, how you can get out of that rut, how you can quit hitting that reset, where you're just kind of stuck on, on, on reset, where you just keep on doing the same mistakes over and over again. And then finally, we're going to land the series um, where we talk about the future, and the future starts now. So let's get into it. Let's talk about how you can have freedom from your past. God is saying this morning that you can start over. You can put your one foot in front of the other and walk into a new season. And I don't know about you, but there are things that you can replay in your mind over and over and over again, and it just makes you cringe. I mean, what is that thought that's in your mind that this morning it's like, man, it just, it just kind of makes you just cringe when you think about it. Like for me, there's, there's, there's one thought. I was thinking about it the other day when I was driving and I, I grabbed both uh, ends of the steering wheel and I just held onto it tight as I was thinking of this story 20 years ago and, and I just kind of cringed. I'm like, why did I do that? This is what I did. My first uh, year in college when I was going to be a broadcast journalist meteorologist, which I didn't do, um, I was in my advanced speech class and it was the last speech and I love speech class. I took every single one of them I possibly could. And so, uh, just for fun. And so at my last, my last speech, we could do whatever we want impromptu. And I thought, I'm going to try my hand at situational comedy. Oh, boy. Dry situational comedy. And so what I thought I was going to do is I was going to kind of go Andy Kaufman style. Some of you know who he is. If you don't, then it's old, I guess. But, but I was going to, you know, I was going to poke fun at everybody else's speech. But I figured they would get that, like, we were having fun. And so as I was five minutes into my speech, making fun of everybody else's previous speeches, you know, just kind of making satire of them, I was getting these death glares and jaw drops, and I realized, this isn't going over well. Do, do I stop now in shame, or do I keep going? And I kept going. And by the end of my speech, only one person gave me a high five, and the rest were like, who do you think you are? The nicest, sweetest girl in the class said, oh, I just hated that message. It just hurt so bad. I'm like, guys, I'm really sorry. I was, it was situational comedy. I was, Jerry Seinfeld, he does it. Like, I tried it, and I, like, I, I was so, so devastated. And I, I vowed that day, I am never going to speak publicly ever again. Never again. Until... Someone said, Andy, you can let the past be the past and you can start over. And so here I am. I'm not a weatherman, but uh, I guess I'm a pastor now, right? <laughs> the thing is, is that there are a lot of regrets, double doinks in our life that you can name right now, that you can name in your life. These, these memories that make you cringe, be honest. There are some that you revisit 
over and over and over again. Perhaps it's a, one of your bosses that said something to you and it just cut. It's like, man, I thought I was doing, you, you took pride in your work and it just cut you to the heart. Perhaps maybe even it goes way back to where maybe you were dating in, in, in middle school, high school, or college, or whatever, whenever you did, and you got dumped. You got dumped like their bad habit. And they said something to you, and it, and, it, and it stuck with you, and it made you approach every relationship thereafter in that way, believing that thing. Or perhaps if you're married and, and you had a fight with your spouse, and your spouse said something to you so sensitive, like, okay, here's, here's the one, right? Have you ever heard this? You're just like your dad. And you're like, no, I'm not, right? Like, you hear that, and I'm like, oh, and it brings up all the deep things of your past. Don't ever say that if you ever want to, like, you know, have a nice night or whatever. You know, if you, go ahead, try it. Let me know how it is, all right? But don't do it. But what I'm saying is, is sometimes when you bring those things up, and it just hurts, and these things, whether they're trivial, whether they're semi-trivial, like the speech class, or whether they are serious and they have massively affected your life, these things that make us cringe, we'll replay them hours or days, sometimes weeks, sometimes months, sometimes years and it's these things that we replay that take hostage our present and can very well threaten the hope that we see in the future and these are the things that God wants to tell you this morning that you can hit the reset button and that he does have plans and purposes with you are you alive in this room right or do you have a heartbeat in this room are you breathing if that's the case right does anybody not have that because we, we need to get detention immediately right if you have that that means that God has a plan for you, and if God has a plan for you, no matter what you have behind you in your past, that doesn't have to define you. And so how do we find this freedom in, the, in, the, in, the, in your future? And it's my prayer that whatever's haunting your marriages, let's say they're haunting your jobs, or, or, or you're, you're worried about how you're going to raise your kids or your future kids, it is my prayer that God will free you today. That's my prayer, I like today, that you'll begin the process to be freed for us to change, we can't come in here with regret. You see, relief from your past is found in repentance, not regret. Now, we're going to define those two things. You see, regret is something, you hear, I'm going to have no regrets. Well, we do have regrets. We can say that. We can plaster that on our wall in our living room. But we do have regrets. Regrets is this. It is the overwhelming sorrow of an event or something we did in the past. We live with that regret. A regret is just a feeling. You see, the reason why regrets can take such a hold on us is what do you do with the feeling that's just there? God actually wants us to act on something, and that's what repentance is. Repentance could be a sorrowful, heartfelt emotion, but repentance puts you into motion. Repentance means that you change the way that you look about your past, you change the way that you look about God and what he can do, and you actually change certain things in your life to where what you were doing you no longer are doing. That is repentance. That is biblical repentance. So relief from your past is found in repentance, not regret. So we're going to talk about how you don't need to have it all together this morning. You don't have to have it all together. Nobody has it all together. If you do, you're in the wrong church because, listen, we affirm that we aren't perfect people, right? We're people made new, right? Good. We know the core value. That's awesome. But uh, So I want you to turn to Matthew 4, 17. Jesus is setting up uh, the scenario here. Uh, Jesus is going to say, hey, I have a mission, and I need to find people to help execute this mission. Here it is. Matthew 4, 17, for then on Jesus began to preach, there it is, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. 
So he's telling a group, he's telling anybody who's hearing him, you need to change your view. You need to change your view of life. You need to change your mind. And a changed mind leads to change actions. Something big is happening here. You need to repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. So the mission is this. We live in a world... It doesn't matter where you're at in the journey, by the way. Like you could be, you're, you're like someone could have drugged you here today, like dragged you here, and, and, and you're like, I don't believe in God, no nothing. But you, you will admit this. This world's messed up, isn't it? Like th- this world is, is, is not what it's all cut up to be, right? Uh, when we speak of something, we know it still has something broken in the past, right? And so we are in a world that has been compromised, what we see here in the Bible, by sin. This world has been compromised by God's original creative purposes, and without a remedy, we'd be lost, and this would be the best we have. But God, being full of love and mercy, came to this earth as Jesus, fully God, fully man, to do what we could not do and to redeem what he originally created to be good. And Jesus came, and he's announcing, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. This is the most important message For you and me, it was the most important message. That's why Jesus came. It's the most important message, too, because it's in the backdrop of fleeting time. Time is ticking. And God's strategy is to spread this message of redemption through people that will follow him. Now, if God wants people to follow him and spread this message, if there's such an urgent message, the most important message that all of the world needs to hear don't you think Jesus is going to put a, you know, a little post-it on the bulletin board and he's going to look for the best people? I mean, let's put the corporate America hat on. There's nothing wrong with this, I suppose. If you're going to hire a business, you're going to hire people that are going to you know, uh, be the best, I guess. But Jesus actually flips the script. You see, Jesus does something a little bit different. In fact, there's three things I want us to understand here if we're going to get past our past and we're going to have freedom from our past. There's three things that God is calling us to. The first thing is... Jesus calls the broken, not the perfect. Jesus calls the broken, not the perfect. This is who he calls. Check this out. Matthew 4, verse 18. As he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fish. I'll make you fishers for people. I'll fish for people, excuse me. Immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. So Jesus is calling out to some fishermen, hey, I want you to be my followers. And listen, in the time of Jesus, that wouldn't have been abnormal. Uh, the, Socrates had followers. Uh, the, the religious people, the Pharisees and the rabbis, they had followers. They had disciples. And so Jesus isn't doing anything that's abnormal. What is unique, though, is who he's calling. He's calling out to fishermen. He's saying, I want you to be my followers. Now, you certainly you need to know about a fisherman. We have, Andrew, we have, we have uh, Peter, who is in his lower 20s, and we have Andrew, who is in his teenage years. Uh, these guys were seen as outcasts. You see, in the Jewish culture, when you were age 5 to 13, everybody was taught uh, religiously. They had a religious upbringing. But at age 13, if you were seen as smart, uh, you were prominent in your, in your society, or your parents had a name, you were picked by rabbis to follow for you to follow the rabbi. You are picked by a rabbi, you can then follow them. And so to be picked by a rabbi would be like you or I today getting a letter from an Ivy League school saying you've been accepted. If you weren't accepted by a rabbi, you would then go into your parents' trade or you'd go into a trade that was undesirable in society. And so what we see here from Andrew and Peter is that they're in their 20s, he's in his upper teens, Andrew is, uh, Peter's in his lower 20s. They have been passed over. Uh, they've been rejected. 
And not just rejected, they were fishermen, which was seen as absolutely dirty in this culture. And Jesus is saying, I want you to follow me. Now, why would Jesus do that? Why wouldn't he pick the best? If this is the most urgent message, why is he going to the bottom of the barrel, so to speak? I want you to listen to this. This is going to be key for us to get past our past and for us to have freedom from our past. Is that Jesus doesn't see what the world sees. Am I right? Jesus, uh, Jesus doesn't value necessarily what the world values. You see, what Jesus sees is not what's at the surface. Jesus sees the potential when you follow. And he's seeing two individuals and says, they may be at the bottom of the barrel in society, but I can see who they can be when they begin to follow. You catching me? I don't know where you're at this morning, and I don't know where you're feeling at this morning. There might, be, there might be thoughts that drag you down even when you feel up some days, but I want to tell you, no matter what your past is, and this is point in case, Jesus can meet you where you're at. So Jesus sees your potential when you follow him. Let me ask a very personal question. Where does Jesus need to intervene in your life this morning? Where does intervention need to happen? Maybe these are things that are just... These are words that were spoken over you and they've just brought you down. Maybe there are situations that are happening right now and you're like, Lord Jesus, I need you to intervene. I want you to whisper it. I want you to think it in your mind. I want you to tell God it right now. God, I need you to intervene here. All right, I need you to intervene and just, just help me. It could be just, just your thought process. It could, be, it could be a situation, but it just could be a thought process. It could be the way that you see yourself. God, I need you to intervene. And through the gospel of Jesus Christ, God can change you. He can change you. You need to understand that as you name it, you need to understand that Jesus is he's able to deliver you from that. You see, here's the deal. Some of us have been trying to move on and fix our stuff in our own power. But Jesus, through the Holy Spirit in your life, can do more in a second than you can try your whole lifetime and still not achieve it. We all have a past with some busted stuff in it. And for many, this past is defining us, and it manifests itself in such odd ways. You wonder why sometimes you just get so angry, and you're like, why, why'd that happen? Or you wonder why you just you get tripped up on something. It might not have anything to do with that something. It has everything to do that you have something bottled up, and it's manifesting itself as bitterness, as pride, uh, as anger, uh, as addictions, as fear, as lethargy, as depression. Uh, my wife, Allison, she made me clean out my closets, uh, my closet, I don't have multiples, I, I'm not that bad, okay, but my closet, and, uh, and she, she called me up one day, and she goes, Andy, I want you to know how many t-shirts that you have, I'm like, I don't know, like 15, I don't know, and she's like, higher, 20, higher, 30, higher, you know, you know when like, you, you like lose the higher game, you just, you just go for it, fine, 60, higher, higher, what do you do? You count my t-shirts and count like you find a onesie from my mom that she gave you? What, what are you talking about? She's like, 70, Andy, 70. I'm like, oh, and you know how many ties I found? I'm like what? I found, I found that you had 25 ties and the ones with Scooby-Doo on it. I'm like, oh my goodness, these are like ties I've had since the 90s. Remember the 90s ties, guys? You know, they had all the cartoons on them. I still have them, okay? And then all the suit coats she started counting and she started counting all this stuff. And I realized Andy McGowan has the Smithsonian Institute in his... Uh, closet. It's called the Smithsonian of Andy's Clothes since 1995. And the scary thing is, is I didn't grow up in Kenosha. I grew up in Iowa, which means these things had to make it to Chicago and they made it to Kenosha. And I still have them. I don't know why. I don't know why I still have them. But she's like, Andy, it's time for an intervention. They're going away. And so I went and I, I started looking through all the different clothes and all the different memories that were coming. You're like, oh, I remember that shirt in high school, you know? And, and I came across my first suit coat. 
my first suit coat. It's the first suit coat that I, when I went to, when I got done with the, when I realized I wasn't going to be a meteorologist, I went to Bible college, and I went into my first preaching class, and I went, uh, and, and this Bible college was a pretty strict Bible college. I, I went because it was closest to my home, but it, like, it was kind of like military, all right? It's like, it was kind of odd. But anyway, I wear a suit coat, three-piece suit to class, to lunch, everywhere. It's crazy. I, like, uh, I don't know. But anyway, so that's what they did. Here's a picture of me in my first sermon ever. This is from a VHS tape. Looks like a hostage video, but I tell you, it's not, all right? And so that's me giving my first sermon. Look at the size of that Bible. And so uh, anyway, um, but that was my first suit coat. And I'm like, oh, I remember that. I remember that. And so I put it on. I could still fit. And I'm like, I could still fit into it, you know? And then I, barely. And so, uh, and then I went into the pocket and I found literally a time capsule of just junk. But it wasn't just junk. It was like, it, it was, it was, it was like napkins from like when I went to Navy Pier. And then I, and I like, it was, it was classroom notes. And then I got to my Bible college notes in this, from the time of when I was preaching. And it brought back memories I had blocked. And this is the memory. I remember giving this message. But in the class, uh, you'd have 15 people, your peers, and they would grade your, they would tell you what was good and what was bad. It was like, basically like American Idol or America's Got Talent, uh, you know, for preaching. You know, like, well, you know, you kind of said there, you know, <laughs> you know, the, you know, so it's just, okay, I guess I'm gone. But, but the thing is, you, you look at your peers and, and you really value their, uh, their peer review. And I remember in the class, I was the youngest one in the class. Uh, in the class was the senior who gave, he was a student, and he gave the student chapels all the time. Like, he's a guy everybody looked up to. And he gave me a scathing review. It was stinging. And I, le- I, I, left, I left that room just kind of like, uh, you know, just kind of the head going low, you know, Charlie Brown song, you know. And so just kind of walking around. And the professor finds me in lunch. I thought maybe he was just going to give me a little pep talk or something like that. It was a double doink, but there's another season, you know. No, it wasn't that. He said, Andy, I, not, I, it's my turn to speak in chapel as a, as a faculty, but I'm not going to do it because I want you to do it. I was like, what? I was like, oh, man, he's giving me like his mercy talk. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, first-year students don't give chapels. Like, I want you to give chapel, and I want you to give the message exactly the way that you gave it in class. I'm like, I thought it was terrible. He goes, no, I thought it was wonderful. I want, you to, I want you to give it. And so I gave it, and it was connected with the school. It was like, whoa, this is awesome. But I'll tell you what. I, ne- I wasn't able to rejoice in the opportunity, the unique opportunity of giving my first message, and then the next message was in front of the whole student body and faculty because the, cri- the criticism of that student was resounding in my mind. It was, it was drowning out the praise and drowning out the opportunity that God had given me. And church, this is what I believe is happening in many of our lives this morning, is that God has opened the door. God is speaking truth over you. God has given you opportunity. But there's been that one person that's, that maybe it's been yourself, maybe it's been somebody else, and you replay that thing over and over and over in your mind. And I want to tell you this, it's eclipsing the glory that God wants you to know in your life today. And today, God wants you to proverbially take the things out of your little pocket. He wants you to rip it up, and he wants you to put it in the trash and remember it no more. Because, listen, your past is your past, but God is speaking. He's speaking life over you this morning, and he wants you to receive it. He wants you to move one foot in front of the other. There is a start-over button. It is new opportunity every day. Great is his faithfulness. New mercies every morning. So relief from our past is found in repentance, not regret. God calls the broken, not the perfect, God is calling you this morning not to stay in your mistakes or live in your bad memories or the regrets of yesterday, but to let those things be a springboard into your future. God calls the broken, not the perfect. Second thing this morning, 
God calls the willing. He calls the broken, but you need to be willing to receive what he's, he's, he's giving you this morning. God calls the willing. We see this in verse 19. Follow me, he told them. This is Jesus telling his disciples, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now, what's interesting is I've read this verse many years, and I thought, oh, wow, that's, that's pretty obedient. Like, Jesus is like, hey, you fishermen, follow me. Okay. You know, I was like, wow, I don't know if I would do that. Thing is, they didn't. In fact, if you look at the... Uh, parallel account in John, uh, at this point, before Jesus says, hey, follow me, they had actually been following him off and on for about a year. And so they've been following him, kind of listening to his teachings, but they never gave up their past as fishermen. And what Jesus is doing, and this is very significant here, what he's doing in verse 19, he's, he's drawing a line in the sand. He's like, listen, guys, this is the put up or shut up time, right? This is where I want you to put both feet in, not one foot in and one foot out. I'm asking you, follow me. And when you follow me, look what happens specifically. I will make you fish for people. I will make. You see, oftentimes we want to make and we want God to bless it. Sometimes we want God to move and then we'll respond. But God is saying, I want you to follow me and then I will make. Don't get that equation flipped. When we get that equation flipped, we try to tell God what to do. But God is saying, follow me, trust me, and I will make in your life. I will make. You want that Goliath slayed? Follow him and he will make it happen. Right? Isn't that a beautiful thing? My dad left my family when I was in college. And my dad's okay with me sharing this now. He's, he's got both feet into the kingdom right now, okay? It's a, it's a great thing. But there was a season where he decided he was gonna step out. And he stepped out, he walked out, and the first Christmas that occurred when he stepped out, he still had a key to our house. And on Christmas morning, he opened it up and he had all these gifts. And he went to the Christmas tree and I was watching him put all the gifts underneath the tree. And I was so conflicted because you could tell he wanted to put one foot in. He was sentimental during Christmas. He wanted to put one foot in and, and be, a, be the dad. But he had that one foot out saying, I don't really want to be the dad right now. He had one foot in, one foot out. And the thing is, it's because, he, because he, was, he had a duplicit mind. His mind was divided. A damage trail was occurring behind him, right? It wasn't until years later he decided he was going to put all feet into the things of God. But by that time, Time, his relationship with my mom was destroyed and the damage trail was a mile long. And the thing is this, is that God is calling you today, he's calling you today in, in obedience, he's calling you today to not defer following him in all areas of your life. You see, when we defer, there's destruction. God is calling you today into the things of, of him right now. You need to be willing. God calls broken people to follow him, but the key is not to wallow in our brokenness, but to follow him in his holiness. And, you know, some of us, we're, we're, we're building our life right now. And what I really want us to pause here for a moment is when we're willing, we've got to make sure that we're building upon God's will in your life. You know, Peter might not have had it all together, but um, he went places that he would never have been able to go without God. So I want, you to ask, I want to ask this question to you, very specific question. If everything in your life if everything that you were about, that you most cherished, your ambitions, your dreams, your relationships were under the authority of God, what would be different? Let me say that again. If everything you did, everything you were about, your most cherished ambitions, your dreams, your relationships were under the authority or allowing God to, to lead you in these areas of your life, what would be different? What would be different? What are you building on today? Are you building today in a reaction to your hurt past? Or are you building today because God is healing you and, and, and you're moving forward with a future full of hope? What are you building today? 
You know, there are a lot of marriages, jobs, and friendships that are being unnecessarily sabotaged because we're building on a foundation of bad habits learned from our past instead of growing and learning from our past. Or perhaps you find yourself avoiding conflict or dismissing gigantic issues, or maybe you're someone, because of your past, you go head in. You love drama. Like, listen, my parents, they didn't, they didn't do anything, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to be Mr. Drama King, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go right in and, and create some drama. There's no drama. we got to get everything figured out. Everything is figured out. It doesn't matter. I'm going I'm to turn things upside down. You know why? Because they're, re- they're relating to the past, right? Maybe you're somebody who is defensive, or maybe you're someone who's always offended, or, or maybe you're someone who's always talking down to somebody. And I guarantee you, for, for those vices that we have, and we all probably have some of those, we could probably point back to bad habits that we just embraced in the past. And the thing is, is that relationships are, dest- are destroyed. They start with the tongue. They start with our mouth. What a, what a, the Bible says what a, what a small part of the body the tongue is, yet it can set a whole forest ablaze. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said it best. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I believe those are foundations that we need to build upon if we're going to build upon the will of God in your life today. God wants you to build on his foundation. And to build on his foundation requires you to know him personally, to humble yourself, and to be led by him even when you don't feel like it. Now, let me pause there for a second. There's some popular teaching and culture today. It's even seeped in the church world a little bit. Uh, this, this, is, this is what it's all about, is, you know, only follow God or do the things of God if you're passionate about it, and if it's, you know, be real, be genuine. If, if you don't want to read the Bible today, then don't read the Bible today. If you don't want to talk to God today, then don't talk to God today. If you don't want to do this or that, then don't do this or that. Listen, if you're a follower of Christ, I want you to know this. There's some days it's hard, and there's some days you don't want to. I'm going to admit something to you. As your pastor, there's days I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to read my Bible today. Right? But the thing is, I do because when I don't, it's not the revelation of God that's directing my thoughts. It's the revelation of my flesh. And the revelation of my flesh, it, it, it's, it's, all, it's all built on a faulty foundation. Listen, if you want to build on a foundation that's going to last, we need the revelation of God to outlast our momentary weaknesses. So, it's not about how we feel. It's not about how we feel. Listen, we, listen when you follow Christ and you want to grow in Christ and go, go the places that he's got to go, we've got to trust him even when we don't feel it. May we never hold hostage, hostage the worship that is due to our God because we don't feel like it. When we do that, we are making God something else and we're making our feelings our God. And listen, our feelings aren't any good God, right? We all know our feelings are deceptive, am I right? Can we all admit that, that our feelings are good one moment and they're bad the next moment? There's some days we hate life and there's some days that we absolutely love life. What is that? It's called messed up feelings and we all got it right so we need to lead by conviction live by conviction some of us were willing to go all in but only when god's already moved but listen god wants us to follow and then he will make what are you building in your life? Psalm 127 is a great warning to us. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays alert in vain. This verse scares everything out of me, all right? Why? Because we can get really busy building things in our personal life, in our family, in our finances, even the church, and God doesn't have to show up. I mean, 
You could eat, and this is what we do sometimes to justify ourselves when we know that we just want to be comfortable. Sometimes we'll say things and we'll make it all spiritual. You know, like, oh, praise Jesus, I'm, no, you know, it's like, what are you doing? You're just, you're just using biblical words or God words to just stay where you're at. Never use biblical words or God words to stay where you're at. Let the biblical words and God's words reflect where you're really at. And the thing is, this morning, we can build something in our life, and our family, we can even have a worship service, and God doesn't have to show up. If we just want to live in our religiosity, if we just want to go through the motions, we can do that in our sleep. But I don't, listen, you do not want to waste your life. You don't want to waste moments in your family. You, we don't want to waste moments in our short time that we have together each week in the church and do it without God. We need God desperately to show up in our life, in our family, in our church, and that upon that foundation is how we build. Right? Right? Many of us today, we feel like there's a gap between our past that haunts us and the future that we desire. The past fuels our weaknesses and it widens the gap to achieving those God-given dreams that he's born in your heart. I believe that God has God-given dreams, real dreams for your life, for your family, for this church, for the kingdom of God. But there seems to be a chasm between where you're at and where your dreams are at. What I believe that's happening in this room even today is I believe that there are marriages. I believe that there are addictions. I believe there are kids that have been wayward. I believe God is beginning to move. And what we need to do is follow and trust where God is taking us in those situations that have been holding us hostage in our past and our present. You'll never get relief by regret. That's why we need repentance. Jesus calls the broken, not the perfect. Jesus calls the willing. And finally this morning, Jesus calls for your decision. You see, it's one thing to know that we're not perfect, and some people are like, well, I'm not perfect, and sometimes that can be an excuse if you do nothing with it. It's one thing to know that God will use the willing, but it's, it's not good enough just to be willing. you got to take it. And God today is calling you to make a decision with your past. He's calling you to make a decision with trusting him in every area of your life. He's calling you to make a decision in your start over. So how will you choose today? God calls the broken, not the perfect. God, God calls the, the willing, but God is calling us to make a decision. And here's the deal. I will be guilty if I don't say this, of glossing over this message. I'm like, all right, it's, it's cool, right, right? I'll be guilty of glossing this message over if I don't ask you this question. A very, very specific question. Actually, it's not even a question. It's a statement. My past and your past is worse than we could ever imagine. That's not very encouraging, but it's a fact, and when we embrace that, we can move forward. What do I mean? I don't know all your stories, but our stories, our situations, our episodes are symptoms of a greater problem. And the greater problem is something we usually don't pay attention to, but that's the thing that makes it worse than we can ever imagine. It's called our sin. It's called the brokenness of the world that we live in. It is bad. In fact, Paul uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, he was somebody uh, earlier in life, before he met Jesus, he murdered people he didn't agree with. Then Jesus met him, and he changed his life. Paul ended up writing uh, half the New Testament. Paul writes it this way to the church in Rome. He says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way, death spread to all people because all sinned. That's how bad it is. Is the first human being messed up. His name was Adam. And sin 
changed the whole course of this universe as a result, and it has spread to you and I. The DNA that's made up, our spiritual DNA, is not towards good, it's towards bad, and we have to be informed to follow God so that we can be realigned to his purposes. You see, the thing is, is you don't have to teach a child how to be uh, bad, do you? We have to teach them what is good. When my kids, when they first started getting a playing age, when they wanted a toy, you know what they do? Pop. How did, I, I don't, I, where did they see that? They didn't have to be taught. Mine. Where did they learn that word? They didn't have to be taught that. The thing is, is that sin has permeated and it's, and it's infected all of humanity, this entire universe. And death entered this world as a result because of Adam's disobedience. Adam disobeyed God, and because of that, sin entered the world. Well, that's not fair, someone may say. I've thought that myself. Well, the thing is, if Adam didn't do it, uh, the second human being, the third human being, the fourth human being, they would have probably done it. And if they didn't do it, I would have probably messed it up, all right? So, like, or one of you would have out there, right? And then all of the world would have been cataclysmically changed, and we'd be at where we're at today. The thing is, this is what it is. And wherever, whether you consider yourself a, a church-going person or spiritual or whatever, we can all agree on this. We can think of memories that are broken. We can see the broken in this world. We see what should be better in this world. And that is a reminder, this world is not heaven. This world is not all we have, thank God, right? It's bad. But God didn't leave us in this condition. You see, God's like, well, it's bad. You know, sin entered the world. Sorry. This is the best that we would have. But it's not the best that we have because God came as Jesus, fully God, fully man, to do what we could not. Every single one of us, because of Adam, we've sinned. We've committed sin. And the toxic doctrine, the toxic thought that we can think of is there's something that we can do to gain our perfection before God. But sin separates us from God. There is nothing that we can do. Ephesians says very clearly, Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, he said that it's not by works but it's by his grace, by grace you've been saved, not by works. It is a gift of God so that nobody may boast. What's that mean? For God so loved the world, whoever believes in him shall not perish, die spiritually, but have eternal life. It means that all who cry out in the name of the Lord pass from death into life. That means when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you have been given a new start. You've been given a restart, which means when you say yes to Jesus, that means that your past is no longer your present or your future. You have a new hope. That means when you say yes to Jesus, or if you had said yes to Jesus, that means that you are alive spiritually, and that means that nothing can take you from the love of God. Because when he went to the cross, he said, it is finished. Am I right? There's nothing that can take you out of here and put you back in here. But the thing is this, we have a decision to make. And for some of us, the decision is going to be that you, for the first time, are going to say yes to Jesus. There's no religious background. There's no, there's no, there, there's no religious good thing you can do. Uh, there, there's no happy thoughts. So there's no proving yourself to God. We can't prove ourselves to God. That's the predicament that we're in. It says this right here very clearly in Romans 5, 6. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died. Died for the ungodly. He died for the ungodly. But God proves his, proved his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more than since we have been declared righteous, that means declared not guilty by his blood, will we be saved through him 
from wrath. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you are his and your future is a wide open map of his hope and his mercies. And when we begin to follow him, you have a new trajectory in life. And my question to you this morning is, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus on a personal level, you may have done it in a, you may have been involved religiously. Uh, this, this is my life, right? Uh, you may have been involved religiously, but there had to come to a point in my life where I'm like, you know what? I'm personally making Jesus Christ my savior in my life. Today, I'm gonna give you the opportunity. In fact, let's just do it right now. Uh, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to place your faith and trust in Jesus because everything else is nothing if this isn't figured out. And so today, I'm gonna give you an opportunity. And I wanna let you, let you know, if you know, if, you're, if you know you haven't made Jesus Christ your personal savior or you're uncertain of it, every week we have people making certain of it. So you're in good company. So let's pray. Let's close our eyes, let's bow our heads, just create a place of, of a little bit of privacy in a room this big. But Lord Jesus, I pray for those that are uncertain right now and want to make certain that they have been saved, that they've been forgiven, that they're going to heaven, that they're made right with you. Today, if you want the forgiveness of Jesus, you were created to be with him. You were created uh, to have a relationship with him, but our sin has separated. And you know that sin, it manifests itself in so many different things. But today, you want that forgiveness. Well, Jesus Christ, he went to the cross. And the Bible says... If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God rose him from the dead, you will be saved. All those who cry out in the name of the Lord will be saved. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.